Hey there, I'm Eric J. Olson. And I'm Kevin Daisy. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. Hey, everybody. It is Eric J. Olson here. Happy Monday. And today we are doing a live interview for our journey. Oh, I'm sorry. Not journey. That's the other podcast. This is for (laughs) the Managing Partners podcast, where we interview managing partners of law firms around the country. And today I have Stephen Ruffalo that I'm going to interview today. How's it going, Stephen? Doing good, Eric. How are you? Fantastic. All right, let me introduce you to the world. So Stephen Ruffalo is a managing partner of Fuchs. Am I saying it right? Fuchs? Fuchs and Roselli. I wrote it down and everything. I'm, I apologize. Uh, in Wheaton, Illinois, armed with a BS in business management and an MBA, Steve has been practicing law since 1989. Admitted to the federal trial bar of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Illinois, the U.S. District Court for Eastern District of Wisconsin and the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. All right, that's a lot. <laughs> a lifelong resident of DuPage County, assistant village attorney for the village of Hinsdale, counsel to the College of DuPage and a member of its foundation board of directors. Well, there's a lot there. And an active contributor to the DuPage County Bar Association holding multiple positions over multiple years. Everybody, welcome, Steve, to the podcast. Hey, Stephen. Good to be here. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate your time. Well, that that Good is quite remarkable. You've got you've got a, a lot of achievements in your bio, so congratulations on that. Thank you. It's a really good career, and I still enjoy every day of what I do and the people I work with and for. That's fantastic. Well, cool. Besides what's in your bio, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? and about your company and, and your you know, the size of your company, things like that. Yeah, so I'm a resident of Glen Ellen, which is a suburb of Chicago. Our main office is in Chicago. Proud dad of two, four, uh, two girls, 14 and 17 year olds. My wonderful wife and I are in the full throes of raising our kids. For hobbies, we enjoy a lot of travel, golf, skiing, and just spending time together. Often hard to get the uh, the devices out of their hands while we're out of, out of town, but we try as best we can. As for my firm, we're a general business law firm. We do estate and tax planning, commercial real estate, commercial litigation, and corporate transactional. I head up the corporate or strike that the commercial litigation space, and that's what I've been doing for my entire career. We're a 14 lawyer firm, mid-sized in Chicago standards. But we've been around since 1989. I've been with the firm for 31 years now. That's excellent. Congratulations on all that. You're, you're, you're getting some comments here about your style. And look at this one here from Mark. Love the suit. Oh, all right. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice to be able to dress up in a suit now that we're through this COVID stuff. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about how COVID kind of impacted the firm and uh, you know the hybrid work environment and whatnot. Well, so it was interesting because during that time, we all sort of were exposed to new technologies that allowed us to continue practicing law. Zoom conferences with judges, depositions all done by either Zoom or Teams. So you adapted to a bunch of new different methods for keeping your cases moving. There's a little bit of a letdown in that process, obviously, because everyone has to adjust to the technology. 
I serve on the Illinois Supreme Court Rules Committee, so we were involved in sort of the transition of live court appearances to remote and remote depositions and, and how those rules would look and feel. But as a firm, we, I'll tell you what, we had a really nice run during COVID. We did not have any letdown in production. There were some new business matters that came in as a result of COVID in terms of consulting with businesses and essential businesses and keeping their doors open and keeping you know their production facilities going. And that, that was nice. There, there, so there were challenges. We did some things on the fly. But in the end, we all came out of that feeling as though you know, some of these aspects of technology aren't going away soon. We're still doing a lot of Zoom court appearances, which is kind of neat because you can be in three counties in the same morning and not have the, the overhead of the travel. That ends up being something that clients like because they pay less. That is much more efficient method for representing clients on, on these status calls and the like. So it's been good. I mean, overall, it's, you know, I'm, we're happy to be back to the office. We came back in full force in June and you know, we're, we're delighted to be back and in, in a culture and an environment where we all thrive on each other's presence. We dialogue, we discuss cases and matters, and it's just nice to do that in person. Yeah. As far as like the Zoom depositions, uh, certainly there's a time advantage and a cost advantage. Uh, but I've been hearing that maybe in the judicial system, in particular with judges, whatnot, there's still a preference to in-person and uh, the trend could be to go back to in person more than these remote hearings. Are you seeing that or thinking that could happen? Oh, I, I agree 100%. And I think, you know, if you look at the lawyer's toolbox, when it comes to a live deposition, compared to a remote deposition, you're deprived of a solid 20% of your tools in your toolbox. Looking at somebody, gauging their reaction live, making sure that they don't have the ability to draw on outside resources to help answer tough questions timing. There's so many things that, you know, when you're involved in trial work and litigation, you thrive on and you get good at. And those tools are kind of um, taken out of your hands in a remote setting a little bit. Uh, so while it's it's okay, you still lose a little bit in the process of taking depositions remotely. Much prefer live. Yeah. I'm curious, like when, when people do provide those video depositions, are they doing it like from their house, office, or is there some sort of a proxy center they go to for that? no rules they can be at home they can be at their lawyer's office the, the rules that exist proscribe or prohibit use of other devices where you could use a means of communicating with an outside agent like a lawyer sliding you an answer to a question that's inappropriate under our rules that's inappropriate remotely but when you're in a live setting you can always rely on your own senses to see that isn't happening i've, I've had many depositions where a lawyer will tap uh, an opposing party under the table, give them a signal, a verbal cue, not a, a nonverbal cue of this, yeah. you know, and you have to say, you're signaling the witness. You're not supposed to do that. Let's take a break. We reset, we go back on the record and that stops. So I'm not saying that, you know, the, uh, the bar is, is loaded with those types of practices, but it happens. And when it does sure. in your lives, you can prevent it. So right? oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah kind of like a hatched plan, you know, like, Hey, if I, if I do this, it means yes. If I do that, it means no, something like that. Right. And sometimes, sometimes lawyers are signaling and they don't even realize they're signaling. Mm. They're nodding their head mm. in approval to an answer as if, if this is how we discuss right the now. answer. Yeah. And you need to say, you need to stop that respectfully. So that's interesting. 
So certainly Zoom is, is kind of the big technological change that's happened in the last year and a half, two years, and it's continuing to be a trend that's evolving. Uh, what are the kind of trends do you see happening in the legal industry that, that would affect you when it comes to anything with legal, technology, financial, uh, just any kind of trends in the industry? Uh, yeah. So I've noticed in our space, there's much more popularity pushing towards ADR, alternative dispute resolution models, arbitration, where you avoid class action risks, businesses really, truly benefit from not having the risk of class action litigation when we have agreements that call for arbitration of disputes. Mediation is very popular. We engage in mediation quite a bit as a means of trying to pare down issues or solve cases. There aren't many business to business lawsuits or disputes that can't be solved in mediation. And a good mediator, a good gifted mediator will help us, you know, resolve those cases more often than not. And then I think the other thing that I think has changed a lot in our industry is how clients are selecting their attorneys used to be you'd have to meet someone personally and that was the case for you know the first 10 years 12 years of my practice and then things moved more to phone you could do phone calls retain clients now it's email your digital footprint says a lot about you and the work that your firm does reviews are very important so we've sort of turned our industry's turned in a direction where the lawyer selection process is much more impersonal, but it's also based on the badges that you show in terms of you know what sort of client reviews you have, what your digital footprint looks like, and what you do to weed your garden. You've got to make sure that those things are all contemporary and a good reflection on what it is you're doing. Yeah. So, so you're talking about like uh, creating a, a brand for your company, for your firm, and then a, a, even a personal brand that you can put out in the public. And are you finding that that's attracting more people. I mean, it sounds like it's attracting more people now than it used to. Oh, it's absolutely attracting people. And again, you have to listen to a lot of calls throughout the course of a week to see, is this something I can help you with? And if I can't, I'm going to direct them to my brothers and sisters in the bar who might be able to help them who are better suited. Certain things, certain practice areas, we don't do. And we're smart to stick to the ones that we do and do well. So that is kind of nice, but you've got to spend the time to talk to the clients to figure out, you know, if you can help them. And, you know, that that's in taking up a good part of the week, whereas before you'd sit down with a client, invest an hour, maybe an hour and a half of time to come to the same conclusion that you can come to now on a phone call following a couple of emails. All the documents are coming in by PDF. So it's just a much more efficient marketplace where clients are going to the lawyer marketplace to grab a few and then pick the one that they fit most closely with and they resonate with. And that's, that's a fine way of doing it. It's just become the norm and when it used to be totally different. Yeah. We have a question here from a viewer on YouTube. How have you adapted to the loss of that said 20% of your toolbox? Uh, well, so I, I think the, the approach, that you use that I've adopted to make up for that. And I haven't recovered 100% of the 20%, but it is using timing in questions to keep someone from relying on outside sources of information, to keep them from getting answers. Because if, if someone's gonna feed them an answer, let's say there's a, a dispute and you're deposing one partner out of the two partners that you're ultimately gonna depose. If the other partner's in the room, and they're listening and they're suggesting cues to the, the deponent. If you have a rapid pace for your questions, 
you can diffuse that process. You can almost tell when someone's looking away. Interrupt it. See, yeah, to, to get some input, some verbal cues or nonverbal cues from somebody else, text messages, et cetera. So that lag cues you in and then allows you to you know, sort of increase the pace. I, I have a question pending. Could you please look at mm. the camera and answer the question? Where their eyes are, their attention is. Yeah. So these are just little things that you've learned in the process of going remote these days. Great question. Zach Miller says, hey, let's, let's talk again about like the company brand and, and the personal brand. When So more people are, are finding out about your firm through those two methods, basically the digital footprint, like you said before. Are, are you finding that when they come to you after they've seen you online and any difference in like how prepared they are to discuss their case with you versus if they, you know, just, just say like old school, like, you know, saw like a TV ad or like a billboard or something like that, you know, older, uh, more traditional ways of advertising. Yeah. So our advertising approach is very, very limited. We're looking at, you know, a website, some of the normal business getting devices that lawyers use like Avo, LinkedIn, et cetera. So I've seen difference between those who are prepared and those who aren't. Those who are prepared have gone through the vetting process. They've looked at other lawyers and they've concluded that because you've done some things that you've put out there fits in with, in well with what they're looking for. That, that, that's a fit issue that's already been discussed. They've already peeled that banana and they're ready to have a discussion. That is very common and that's more common than not. Sometimes people are calling and they're just kind of using the shotgun approach to trying to find a lawyer. They're calling and they're going to spend some time with you telling you the, you know, the issues. And you're learning for the first time about you have to ask a series of questions, get down to the nitty gritty of what they need. And if you can help them, you know, I, I will generally do that, whether it's me or an associate. Part of the good thing about having a firm or a 14 lawyer firm is we have different levels of help that's available at different rates and some some matters just do not warrant my rate when I've got, you know, two or three associates at this at a suitable rate that I can pick any one of and plug them into this matter. I, I'm still involved in supervising and managing the matter to make sure that we are off to a good start. We're going in the right direction. But you know, I think that affords us an opportunity at the outset to say, listen, it's not just me. I, I've got a team behind me. And we're going to try to use a team approach to select the right lawyer at the right price so we can get this done on budget. There you go. Great. That's awesome. What are your growth plans for the next five to 10 years? Uh, so it's interesting. We take a very different approach than most law firms. We're not interested in growth for the sake of growth. We, we develop talent in our firm through a farm system. Everybody that we hire legally, every lawyer we hire to do legal work is expected to become a partner in our firm. Every time we review them, which is, you know, the first six months for the first two years they're with us, we tell them where they are in relation to their track to partnership. And then as soon as we can, it's not as, as delayed as we can, it's the opposite. As soon as we can, we make them partners. We have two uh -huh. tiers of partnership. We have income partners and we have uh, equity partners. So you climb the ladder here. And the idea is, you know, and I, I come from a firm. This is my firm. When I started here, I was one of two associates. And I've grown to become managing partner of the firm for the last five or six years. So we're a true farm system. And it's, it's easy to recruit people when you tell them, when you come on board with us, you will be expected to be a partner. And we're going to tell you how to get there. We're going to tell you where you need to develop your, your game plan to get there. And as soon as you can get there, the better. There's no glass ceiling. And I think that has created an environment where 
all of our partners are essentially come from the stock of associates who have gone through the farm system. That's great. Do you feel like that is fundamentally different than how other firms handle partners? Like they try to limit I, partners somewhat? I, I do. I think it's not only fundamentally, but it's diametrically opposed to the normal partnership yeah. discussion. You know, we'll tell you when, when you're ready to become a partner versus here's the objective criteria for you to make partnership. Oh, and by the way, we published that to our associates. I mean, they know objectively what it takes to become a, a, an income partner and an equity partner. That's great. And it clearly it's not uh, such a high hurdle that very few people can get to it because you've already stated when they come on board that you want them to get to that level. So I can't imagine you would put the bar so high that only you know 5% of the people make it through. You, your goal is probably more like 95%. Oh, our, our goal is as many as possible. Now, you don't hold on to everybody. You know, there's always going to be attrition in our in our practice, and we understand that. But uh, yeah, the, the goal is the more the better. And funny thing happens when you engage in that process. You know, it starts with the kind of work you're giving them. If you're giving them projects versus tasks, you're more likely to keep them because they're engaged. They have the authority and the responsibility to, to work with clients and, and to get results. That's what most of us as lawyers really derive satisfaction from. So when you give them those opportunities, then you say, and by the way, we really want you to become a partner and here's what you need to do to get there. They get there quicker. And once they get there, they're invested. They start seeing how the business run because it's a business in the end. I mean, it's an art and it's a profession, but we're running a business. And the more they understand of that, the more they appreciate, you know, what it's going to take of them, because what we try to do is turn over our leadership. I'm the second generation of leadership in the firm. The founding partner tapped me one day and said, I'd like to you know, go to senior status a little bit more and I'd like you to take over as managing partner. Would you be interested? I said, I'd be honored. Now we have a, a flight of middle tier lawyers that we're training to be the next iteration of you know, managing partner yeah. and leadership of the firm. So the cycle continues. That's great. Um, and, and it's a good thing to be a part of. That, that's really impressive. So congratulations on that. Let's see here. Uh, again, from Zach Miller. Zach Miller says, has partnership approach helped in recruiting so far? I would imagine the answer is yes. It, it absolutely does because when you can sit with people that you're interviewing and they're interviewing with other firms, they're in the market for a position. They try to figure out what distinguishes your firm from other firms. What, what am I going to get if I come here? My model in interviewing is the more honest we can be in the colloquy and the discussion, the more truths we can reveal about each other, the less risk we have when we hire you. When you're hired into a firm, you wanna make sure you understand what the deal is. You wanna understand all the details. And when you leave the springboard on that, just like the firm hiring somebody, you wanna remove as many of those questions as you can and those mysteries, be honest. It goes a long way and it helps in hiring to have people understand that they're gonna be looked at as partnership material at the outset. That's fantastic. I would imagine that's huge for recruiting, but I am curious, you know, if you have that many chiefs, do you need more Indians? You know what I mean? Like, well, how's the balance there? If you have all partners, so what's, what's, there's gotta be a downside I would imagine. Right? Yeah. Well, well what happens is though, is if, if you do it the right way, lawyers are terming out, they're getting to the point where they're retiring. And as they retire, the younger crew comes in and they start generating business to make up for those revenue pillars that have left the firm. So what we're doing is we're continuing in this cycle of bringing new blood in, 
advancing them to leadership while current leadership ages out. And it's just the evolution of practicing law. Our clients age out as we age out. And it's really hard for an older lawyer to attract younger clients. Darwinistic in a way, it just seems to be the way things go. And that's not a bad thing. That's just the reality of our profession. So if we do it the right way, we have a good balance between chiefs and folks who are looking at the chiefs as, you know, at some point retiring so that they can come in and become the chiefs, which is healthy. It's a good thing. Yeah. That, that's a really neat system you have. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's very successful, like Zach's question about recruiting. So, well, Stephen, that was really interesting. You actually had a lot of really good insights and I appreciate it. If someone wants to reach out to you, what is a good way to do so? Um, so let, let me just say, first of all, thank you for the opportunity. I, I'm super proud of my firm and I'm super proud of what we're doing. And I'd love to talk to anyone about it or about legal matters if they're interested. Best way to reach me is by email sruffalo, just like Buffalo, at frltd.com or look us up online. There's links to our email address and online address is frltd.com. So Google us, check us out. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. If you would like to listen to more episodes like this one, check out our backlog of episodes at arraylaw.com slash podcast. And if you are looking to improve your digital footprint, then you can find out more information about our services at ArrayLaw at ArrayLaw.com. All right, Stephen, thanks again. I appreciate it. Okay, thanks, Eric. Have a great afternoon. Same to you.